got a story. I've got a story. We've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural episode of AB&T's Beyond the Bank podcast. I'm your host, Brad McEwen, and today we'll be chatting with my good friend and AB&T Executive Vice President, Matt Rushton. Morning, Matt. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit and chat. Seeing as how we work together and have known each other for, what, 20 years? There's several topics we could discuss today, but I'm going to try to keep it as focused as I can. I've known a lot of bankers in my time, man, but the fact is I've really never met anybody like you. Yeah, that's a, uh, I appreciate the compliment. I want to start by talking a little bit about growing up in Albany and what it was like to be a, a kid in the Rushton household. A kid in the Rushton household. So uh, it, it was a uh, it was a fairly adventurous youth, but nothing atypical of a typical Southwest Georgia family. My father was a director of finance for the city of Albany. My mom was a school teacher, paraprofessional, and then ultimately started the Covenant Preschool. So kind of through those channels, we were just the normal, you know, beaver cleaver family. My brother and I both enjoyed sports growing up. We both hunted. We both fished. We did typical things hanging around at the farm and the Kitchafoonie Creek and the, all the various farm ponds that we used to terrorize and deer hunting and quail hunting and just kind of learning learning all about it. Went to Lincoln Fundamental Magnet School, then migrated to Highland for a sixth grade year and then went to Albany Middle School for my seventh and eighth grade year and ultimately graduated from Albany High School. Went directly from Albany High straight into the University of Georgia in 1997 and the rest is history. And ultimately came back home after a little stint in Atlanta. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that journey, kind of looking back at, at your childhood, you know, obviously with a, a dad sort of in a public realm, you know, mom as a school teacher, you're a public school kid. Tell me a little bit about the lessons about community and, and serving. So uh, I failed to mention First Presbyterian Church, but that that was a big element of our growing up as well. And uh, and to your question or your insight about service that's really where that came from was you know my parents were both excellent examples for my brother and myself um, as far as servant leadership as far as being around being available doing things for others that you know I knew took time and and took sacrifice from mom and dad um, that just kind of led by example for the two of us uh, dad's role with the city of Albany, of course, we were involved and dad had various and sundry things going on with with, uh, you know, city employment. But more so and moreover, dad's involvement with the Exchange Club of Albany and the service element of what the Exchange Club has been about for years, uh, along with church was uh, was probably the greatest example of service that I saw from both of them. That's fantastic. You know, I, I find that, uh, you know, those lessons that you learn in the house, those are the ones that really define you as a person as you move forward. I want to talk a little bit, you know, kind of sticking with being a young guy, but kind of transitioning. You know, you're, you're known around here as just being a jam up banker. Um, you know, when I think of banker, I think man, Matt Rushton pops in my head and I'm interested to know about, you know, when you sort of knew that was your path. I mean, were you thinking about banking, roaming the halls of Albany High or, or wandering the rolling hills in Athens, Georgia? You know, that light bulb probably went off, I would say, 
two years, maybe three years after coming home from Atlanta. Um, you know, at that time when I finished in Atlanta, uh, by, by virtue of completion of that class, uh, there was there was an opportunity to do a lot of different things uh, within SunTrust. And and I began to see some of these doors that opened up, which obviously to a single man at the time meant a lot to me f- from an equity standpoint. And, uh, and, and my net worth to the company had obviously increased tremendously. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to have some really, really good mentors and some really good bankers that taught me the business. Um, you know, my original boss when I came home from Atlanta was a guy named Mike Mars who taught me a lot. And he taught me not only the sales side of the bank, but also the deal side and the and the conversation side and then and then how to manage people and how to be around people that you managed and, and just a lot of the interaction. So th- I would begin to say that probably that window of time was, was when things began to really kind of open my eyes to, Hey, this, this may be something I want to stick with and really, you know, try and get after and perfect. And then other bankers that we had in Southwest Georgia, uh, Joe Holt was a, a guy that was not much older than I was, but was the SunTrust protege. I mean, he was the guy in Southwest Georgia that was doing everything. And I was fortunate enough to work for him for about three years and in a support role, uh, supporting all the lenders in Albany. And then Cal Squires, uh, you know, th- those guys just taught me a lot about how to do it. Sure. And, uh, and then I benefited tremendously through consolidation within the bank and, and attrition as well to where ultimately I was just kind of the last guy standing and, uh, and, and, you know, amassed this portfolio that we continued to grow and, and, and did, did well with. And, you know, I, I'd love to tell you that it was all skill and everything and it was just this great plan, but it was pure luck. And, uh, and we, you know, by virtue of what we did, we were lucky and just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I hear you on that. I hear you. know, I will say this, though, Matt. Tiger Woods always says that uh, when you practice and you work hard, you kind of make you luck. And it tends to uh, work out in your favor more often than not. Uh, backing up a little bit to the transition to come back to Albany, like you said, you had doors open to you, a lot of opportunities, great training platform. You're with a huge you know, regional bank. You can go to other states. You can go to other metropolitan areas. Did you know prior to that point in time that you were going to come back to Albany? I mean, a lot of us in our generation, you know, kind of felt like once I'm done here, I'm moving I don't on. know that I necessarily on. knew I wanted to come back to Albany right out of the gate. Uh, you know, when I finished up and buttoned up that that one year arrangement in Atlanta, um, there were there were much more lucrative opportunities for me to stay with the bank or other banks in downtown Atlanta doing the the corporate and investment side of the banking business that we had kind of gone through this class. But but I really after after living there for that year, I really didn't have any interest. I didn't have any interest in staying. Um, you know, my roots are in Southwest Georgia. My family was in Albany, Georgia. Uh, and my hobbies and outside love was in Southwest Georgia. Uh, you know, not to say that I couldn't have easily enjoyed it. The, uh, the, the hustle and bustle of, of Atlanta, although I was surrounded by a bunch of my friends and we had a great time while we were there for that, for that year's period. But 
it was it just made more sense for me to come home i uh you know the community element was kind of tugging at the heartstrings a little bit but uh but moreover it was really just more my style to be back here Uh, it's funny what things are important to you at what stages in your life but having made those decisions and and having come back here to raise a family and and really put some roots down has been has been one of the greatest joys of 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 all of my life so that's awesome I'm, i'm really glad to hear that uh want to shift gears a little bit matt you know you you've gone through this period now you you've come back to albany you know you starting your family forging a career for yourself you know making a name for yourself i mean you know i worked at a competitor bank we kind of came up the same time period i was well aware of what you were doing heard that name and then you make the decision to leave a company like that. Talk to me a little bit about what went into your thought processes to make that, well, that there, jump. There were a couple of different scenarios at play. Um, specifically, as as the corporate bank began to get larger and larger and more siloed and more perfected, things were becoming more and more difficult to do what we had become so accustomed to doing and being able to design for ourselves in our market. Um so, so the handwriting was on the wall, and it was becoming more and more obvious that there was a change necessary. And uh, as I began to kind of look around and kick tires and, and have conversations, uh, the, the, the biggest appeal out of the gate was the local element of the guys that I knew and had grown up with. Bill McAfee, one of the founding members of this board here at AB&T, was you know, a, a long-time friend more than mentor uh socially and in hobby wise um but then a couple of my couple of my really confidant client relationships um all three of which i miss dearly uh clinton miles lamar reese and murray webb the four of us would always go to lunch and and i was so fortunate to to have these monthly lunch meetings with these guys that would were also made of other up of other businessmen, and uh, and they included this you know this little young thirty five year old kid at the time thirty three year old however old I was, and uh, the the I sat down with the three of them one day specifically asked for a meeting with all three of them together, and and we had a discussion about what do you think Matt Rushton ought to do. And, and to a man, all three of them were extremely supportive of sticking with the local small corner community bank and trying to affect some change. And uh, that's when the, when those guys threw their hat in this ring, that was really the confirmation that I needed that it would be the right move. Be hard to turn down that kind of advice from that crowd yeah. of, of leaders. It was really cool for me, too, also to see how much those guys really cared having been where they had been all their lives and all that they had done, you know, having done way more for this community than most um, to see the, you know, the endearing support that they had to really kind of put all that together. That's pretty awesome. So it was, that was, that was probably the, the big, you know, in answer to your question, that was what put it over the, over the hump for sure. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool to think about, man. A young guy like that, having the opportunity to, been the ear of people whose names are going to live in this community. Yeah. Yeah. I was extremely fortunate that they, they obviously knew my family. They knew my father well. And, uh, I was really, really fortunate to, to have them as, as, as at the time board members, 
at SunTrust Bank and ultimately clients and then friends yeah. uh, moreover that I could, you know, some of my fondest memories, I would go to Clinton Miles' office on a random Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock and I wouldn't leave until five and we would just have general conversation about everything under the sun and we'd sit and listen and it was you know it was like the books you read about the the kid in the corner that listened to the old men playing cards you know that it was a really really cool part of me growing up in this business and and in this community more more than business i love that i love that that is awesome well you know kind of sticking with that time period you you You've been at SunTrust. You, you had all this stuff at your disposal, the ability to do pretty much anything you needed to do in terms of amounts of money you can lend, size of relationships. You come over to AB&T is a little bit different. You know, banks going through some transitional stuff internally. What were your initial impressions? You know, initial impression outside of looking in, the, the biggest eye opener to me when I got here was the fact that there really wasn't that big of a difference. The, the difference was the perception more than it was the reality. Uh, the reality of the situation was when I got here, we have access to these products. We're just not utilizing them. So let's turn on the switch and let's go figure out how to do these certain things. Because, the you know, coming from the, the big corporate bank side of the house, it was, oh, they there's you know they can make loans and deposits but they can't really compete on the treasury side and the foreign exchange side and the all the various pieces of the puzzle but there are very clear avenues to be able to continue to make that happen so you know fast forward to what was almost 10 years ago everything now is much more obvious but but looking back on it that was that was the biggest slight that I had always painted the community bank into the corner with that that now we've figured out how to how to perfect. I was doing the same. I had the same perception sitting over at the regional I was at. You know, there's no way those little guys can can do what we do. Uh, But, you know, obviously we see things one way and then we see things a different way. Talk to me about some of the real benefits of being with a company like AB&T that you didn't have prior to. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we like to think back then that we had the access to all these great resources and that, that we could make a, a deal happen at the drop of a hat. And in some to some degree, we could. But as those changes that I mentioned earlier began to, to, to rear their head and the silo world began to, to step into play, um, it became real obvious that the necessary delivery from the community bank was where we could really make some hay. Um, so, you know, the, the true essence of being able to make a deal happen at the drop of a hat and that we control everything. This is not just, hey, you do X, Y, and Z. Everything in the little community bank matters. Funding sources are looked at daily. Liquidity is looked at. I mean, all of the things that it takes to run a bank are things that we're doing every day now. And uh, that that's really cool to me about how we work through it and what we monitor and what we look at. And the fact that these deals that we were doing back in, in, in our prior lives, yeah, they were significant, but you didn't really have a good conceptual understanding of just how much they could move the needle here or there. And, uh, and here you get to see it. You get to see it every day. You get to see it work. 
it, and and sticking with some similar themes, you know, one thing that's been appealing to me about AB and T, even prior to you know coming to work here when I was just a client, uh, is the the impact that a, that a local community bank can have on its communities a little more directly. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that, and and if tell me if that appealed to you, and and how you feel about that aspect of it. Well, absolutely. The 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 local nature of the board was one of the appealing factors, you know, early on, but. But then it's more of now what it has morphed into is more of an understanding to your point of what the community bank really can do for its community and and the things that the community bank can affect uh, it are far more uh, reaching and and uh, just just in how the community bank delivers. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is is what it does and what it supports. But. The biggest part of that, in my mind, is its people, because the people that are under this roof all have a genuine interest in community. And they're not here for a nine to five. They're not here just to get a paycheck. They're here because they understand the mission of the bank and what we are all about. And it's a cultural thing. It's not just a buzzword that they use sitting around the board table when they're doing a podcast. (laughs) They they. uh they live it and eat it and breathe it every day and and that's 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 what the community bank can do absolutely well and it's and it's neat like you say you little when it's smaller numbers of people and everybody's sort of similarly linked it's easier to forget everybody pulling in the same direction and really get something done you know sticking with that you you meant you said today and i want to talk a little bit about today you know like you say you've been here almost a full decade now you've got a couple of decades in the business and now you're sitting in a position where you know executive vice president of abnt you're helping set the course for the future really truly doing that talk to me about uh, how that makes you feel to be able to have such a strong hand and what happens well i mean it, it's you know the the reality of it is is just that having having a hand in what happens and 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 the you know the responsibility that comes with that is uh, is definitely heavier, and and you want to be careful and you want to make sure because you realize that you're providing and that you're you know you're doing things for the community, but 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 you're also given the opportunity to really do what the mission of the bank has always been, um, and and that part is what's really intriguing to me and really cool. I like I like the ability to see our people grow and give them the opportunity to continue to grow and change roles and we can make decisions to do things like that and and uh, and give people the tools that they really need to make it happen because when they walk in the door these this crowd still knows one another and they still know that, you know, John Doe's son is playing in the World Series or Jane Doe's daughter has got a school play coming up next week. And it's and it's, a, you know, the essence and the truest sense of of community and what's all about. Because you you have a pretty good vantage point on what's going on at AB&T and you're, you know, helping to, to you know, set the course for the future. Within reason, certain things I know you can't share, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, you've mentioned the word mission a few times. Expand on the mission of AB&T and kind of tell me what that looks like going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, our 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 mission, if you would, is is to continue to do what we have been able to do. Um, 
And, you know, I, the this bank has morphed and changed tremendously in the last 13 to 15 years, um, you know, from from literally the brink to success and and, uh, you know, being able to perform and delight our shareholders. You, you know, what 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 we continue to do and what we have the opportunity to do here is is to make ourselves and mold ourselves and reaffirm ourselves to this community that we are who we say we are. And we are going to be here and commit to who we say we are. Um, you know, we take great pride in that. I personally take great pride in that. And uh, and that's absolutely what I intend to do with my role within the company. And uh, we want to be out front. We want to be leaders in the community. And we want to be able to provide the professional, efficient service that our client base and prospect base deserves. Absolutely. Makes perfect sense. You know, you mentioned uh, the, the responsibility you have as the leader of a company. Um, just the resp- you, you've always been a responsible person. I mean, you've been the type that before you had the title of EVP, you were personally invested and you're that wired that way. Anything you're doing, I've known you long enough to know anything you're doing, you're doing it for the good of the whole cause, not just for the good of Matt Rushton. But you also wear other hats in your life. And I know another one of the big hats uh, that you're proud to wear is that you get to be a dad. And you've got a f- young family here that's growing up and, you know, wandering the same streets, the same fields, playing uh, the same games that you used to play. As you sit back and you think about, you know, where you are today, you know, you've assumed the leadership role within your household. You've got your own family. What uh, what kind of stuff did you carry forward from your childhood that you're really trying to instill on Hampton and West and Wit? Oh, gosh, that's a uh, that's how much time you got. That's a that could be a long winded question um, or long winded answer. You, you know, I looking back on on so many of the lessons that my parents taught me growing up and uh you know just just the whole uh, responsibility the, the social responsibility um and and just doing the right thing just 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 being the right person uh to do the right thing and lead by example you know i can i can think of so many times that mom and dad taught us you know this is why we do X, Y, and Z. Um, there's just a, you know, there's, you feel a responsibility to do it the right way and to, uh, and to lead by example for your kids, because you do realize how many times that they are really watching you and, and what, you know, what you do and say really does matter. Uh, you know, my daughter Hampton is probably one of the most responsible squared away people that I know and is very well mature beyond her years. West is just as solid a guy as you want to be. And, and wit is probably the coolest guy, you know, he, he's the, he's the, uh, he's the one that's going to test the limits. But, uh, there are a lot of similarities from all three of them to, myself and my brother that I'm always kind of making comparisons to growing up and, and who did what, when, and, and how did that work out? And, you know, the lessons that we share with them, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Well, you know, you, you hit on the, on the key word, man, you know, you, you, when you think about 
building relationships, which is what it takes to, to really nurture a client through a life cycle. I mean, deals don't just happen and you move on. Uh, probably the number one thing in that is communicating. And uh, that gets lost on a lot of folks. So it's kind of it's just neat to watch you and the way you communicate with people and the way you stop to talk to everybody in the lobby and you remember everybody's, you know, mama's cousin's name and how's your little sister and how's her boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just a thing. It's pretty cool to watch. And I got to think there was some training involved, but that, I feel like it comes kind of naturally to you to just be a connector of people. Well, I, I appreciate it. Don't tell, uh, don't tell Casey that I can remember things that, uh, that frequently because they're oftentimes accused of things that I forget. But, uh, no, I, you know, I mean, it, it, to, to your point, it, the life cycle of businesses and, and, you know, having now spent 20 something years with these individuals and generationally watching these businesses change hands and, and, and the communication element is, is obviously key in that, but it's, uh, it, that's, you know, you mentioned greatest joys earlier, you know, some of our companies, some of the businesses, some of the families that we've dealt with that I've dealt with for so, so long, you're seeing these, these generational changes that, it's really, really fun, and uh, it's really cool to be along for the ride and be able to to offer advice and to be called upon to to be able to offer advice. Is uh, you know, going back to that point, and I know we got to finish up here, but I, I, uh, you asked some of the stepping stones. Probably some of the 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 biggest examples of my career were were when some of these people that I looked up to with such great admiration and respect, I knew that I had kind of made my way into the fold, but I didn't really know that it mattered much. But when they began to call and say, Hey, how, how could we do this? And, and, you know, you actually had some skin in the game with it from an equity standpoint of how these things got put together. And then you got all these corporate buzzwords of trusted advisor and and the, the things that go along. I, I didn't I didn't have any idea that that was something that I was doing until I kind of began to look back and say, hey, wait a minute, that that worked out kind of like we set it up, like we thought it was going to. And uh, th- those were some of the you know, those were definitely some of the stepping stones and in, in dealing with those folks that had been doing it for so, so long. And then to be able to to be the, you know, the little guy over here offering advice was those were some really cool, some really cool things. And that's what we pride ourselves on doing here at the bank all the way around. I do want to ask this question. Uh, It's a little bit playful, but there's some truth to it. Does your ear ever get, you know, tired and numb from having a phone stuck to it all the time? Because it, 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 I mean, I can't think of all the times I walk down the hallway and I glance in your office and, and you might even have one phone on one ear there's, and one uh, phone on the there's other. There's probably a little, I've been accused of having dual phones working before. Um, you know, that is one thing that, that I learned and, and was taught early on in my career. Uh, you know, we can, we can do our jobs effectively and, and, and we can do them from the office and we can do them from the the truck and we can do them face to face, but we're only as good as we perceive ourselves to be if we're not communicating and if we're not in front of people. And, uh, you know, pandemic wise, really, um, even more than usual, put some more pressure on telephone communication. And, uh, you know, you got to stay, you got to stay in the know. You got to, you got to be up with the times. You got so many things that affect industry today that, you know, I like to talk to who I consider to be industry experts in a lot of different places. Uh, 
you know, one of my old mentors told me, you know, in the banking business, you you don't have to know a lot of things about a little bit of stuff. You got to know a little bit about a lot of different things. And um, that's that's the only way that you can do it is to be out ahead of it and try to communicate and listen and ask, you know, detailed, open-ended questions to try to extract as much information as you possibly can. Absolutely. It's great to be valued. Uh, yeah, it's just a great time, uh, a great time for Albany and a great time for, uh, great time for AB&T and a great time for Albany and a great time for our community. And it's just exciting to have, you know, a, a leader like you doing what well, you're doing in our community. It. I don't know how much of a leader I am, but I, uh, I do, I do have a love for Albany. I do have love for AB&T and what we do here. So it's a, uh, it's fun. Well, it shines through, so I thank you for that, my brother. Well, that's a wrap on today's Beyond the Bank. I want to thank my special guest, Matt Rushton, and I want to thank the loyal followers of Beyond the Bank. hope you'll find this expansion of the written word into a podcast format yet another way to enjoy the incredible stories and people who make our community so rich. Until next time, I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Bank. 